0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thanks so much for your support, and you can support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. Well, folks, it's time for us to continue on with the Nick Schern matter. Here are parts three and four.
2: From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar.
3: Dan Martin. I was up the street when you
2: Listen, called. Listen, Sheriff, they've traced Kathy O'Dear here to your nice little town of Brambury. Who has? Nick Shearn's boys, one of them, a trigger man named Benny Stark, came out to the sawmill heller a few minutes ago. I traded a couple of shots with him, but he got away in a car.
3: Did he head north or back toward town? Toward town, I think.
2: You can't see the turnoff from here.
3: All right, Dollar, you're packing a gun. Will you take the pickup truck and block that turnoff? Hold it until I can get somebody out there to relieve
2: you? Right. How many deputies you got? Deputies? Uh-oh. What about Volunteers. Is this Benny
3: Stark, the man Kathy's afraid of? He's one of them. Then I'll have volunteers. Twenty men within a half hour, armed with deer rifles. And every one of them a dead shot. Tonight and every
2: weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Brambury, Michigan, to the home office, Tri-Mutual Insurance Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Nick Schoen matter. Expense account continued. Item 8, $3.60 for two packs of cigarettes and a pint of Applejack borrowed from the foreman's locker at the sawmill. I figured these as standard equipment for holding down a roadblock at 10 degrees above zero. And Mike O'Dare agreed with me 100%.
0: Well, oh, I'll tell you one thing. They can make it out of corn, rye, barley, make it out of gold if they want to. Uh, but they'll never come up with anything better than what they make out of apples. <laughs> here, here, have a short one, Johnny. No,
2: no, thanks. I'll save it for later.
0: Well, I'll just... Uh... <sighs> it's got the taste of Indian summer in it. You ought to see this country around that time of year, Johnny. Break your heart, it's so beautiful.
2: Well, it's beautiful now with the snow on And it would be more so
0: if there wasn't a killer running loose in it. Johnny, I want to ask you something about my daughter. And I want you to answer me honestly. All right. It's no use trying to fool you. She's here all right. I know. But she hasn't told me what it was that happened in New York. which she ran away from and Somehow I figured it was just as well not to ask
2: her. Your sheriff, Dan Martin, said practically the same thing.
0: Dan's been in love with Kathy since he was 12 years old. He's a good man that. So I figured. Anyway, she was scared. Scared half to death. And she'd come home for help, so we tried to help her. What was it you wanted to ask me, Mr. O'Dare? You mentioned a murder case, Johnny. You didn't give any of the details, just said that Kathy was her witness. Is... is she mixed up in this murder?
2: And you wanted an honest answer.
0: All right, I'm not sure...
2: I see. That's why I wanted to talk to her, get her story, the truth. I realized from the start she might be guilty. I don't think so, but it's a possibility. You may as well know
0: about it. I guess you realize it wouldn't make any difference. Not to me or to Dan. Oh, yeah, I figured.
2: In other words, you're with me as long as I'm trying to protect her. But you'll fight me if I find reason to think she's guilty. That's about it, Johnny. Well, at least we know where we stand. And I hope it won't come to... What's the matter? Car coming. Light on the trees there at the bend.
0: Yeah. Do
2: you suppose maybe... Probably not, but you can't tell. Better get behind the truck just in case. i will have to shift into low to edge past us. And let me get that spotlight on. Wait, I guess I'll just have
0: another quick one.
2: <sighs>
0: that wind cuts right through your bones. It's a dark-colored sedan. It might be him. Funny. I'd been hoping for two months that Kathy'd come home for Christmas. And I didn't figure I'd be out here in the woods, hiding behind a truck, waiting to shoot it out with somebody that wanted to kill it. It's
2: a crazy world. Keep your head down, Mr. O'Dea.
0: Yeah. Oh,
2: just the driver
0: by himself wearing a dark hat. I don't know. You know, that kind of looks like... Huh? By curly it is. What? That's Ted Perkins' old wreck. No doubt about it. The... All right, you better wave him out past.
2: He probably thinks we need help.
0: Uh, it's all right, Ted. It's Michael code. Go ahead, go ahead. We don't need anything. Yeah, uh, we're all right. Thanks anyway. Well, there's one thing about people around here. They mind their own business and don't ask no questions.
2: And they don't answer them often either. How's that Applejack holding on? Long hours went past. Only three cars came out from the village, and each time a long moment of tension while we waited to identify the occupants. But all of them were townspeople. Benny didn't show. One truck came down the logging road from the back hills loaded with dwarf spruce and fir. Peace on earth, good will toward men. We were waiting for an assassin, but the truck only carried Christmas trees. The night was crystal clear with bright stars hanging low on the blackness, but it kept turning colder and colder. And even the, the ample didn't help much. And the wind, too, changed gradually and blew fitful and gusty and strange.
0: Uh, it's gonna storm. Come a blizzard, maybe. Not tonight. Tomorrow sometime, or tomorrow night. I know this country. I know the signs. Uh, there's an odd feeling in the air, all right. There's an even order one in my leg log rolled over on it, pretty near six years ago. Bothers me some in the winter. It's that lot worse, though, right before a storm. Well, that's kind of a handy thing to have. Well, that's one way of looking at it, I guess. Like one time when Kathy was little. When her maw was still alive, God rest her soul. We had a big measles epidemic here in Brambury, and every night Kathy used to add a line to her prayers. She'd say... And please let me catch the measles so I can stay out of school like the other kids. (laughs) Now she's wanted as a witness in a murder case. And somebody's prowling out there in the dark trying to find her and kill her. Little Kathy. Who never harmed anybody in her whole life. Some things just don't make sense, Johnny.
2: Some things never have. There was another time once when men like Benny were prowling in the dark trying to find a little child and kill him. And he hadn't harmed anybody
0: either. That was nearly 2,000 years ago. Yeah, so it was. I like you, Johnny. Kathy will like you, too, and little Jill. Oh, there's a pair for you. That kid looks more like a mother did at her age. Another and... car coming, Mr. O'Dare. Yeah, so there is. And this just might be the one. Maybe. I sure wish that Applejack hadn't run out. But it was only a couple
2: of men Deputy Martin had sent out from town to relieve us and take over. Big men, calm and quiet, wearing plaid mackinaws and heavy-laced boots and carrying Winchester 94s over their arms. They told us Benny Stark had been seen. He'd come up from the west, driven onto one of the roadblocks unexpectedly. In a flurry of shots, he'd broken through. The men couldn't understand his persistence. They thought he'd run for it, get out of the area once his presence was known. I didn't bother to explain, to put him straight, but I knew Benny had never run, not now. He was a trigger man, a professional killer with a reputation at stake. And he had his orders to silence Kathy O'Dare. A half hour later, we were back in town, turning into the main street around the village square. Strings of colored lights on a tall pine in the center of the square blinked and sparkled as they swayed in the wind. Around a hundred cars and trucks were parked in the street and in the lot behind the town hall. And the sound of singing drifted out from inside.
0: They're practicing carols and things for the big doings on Christmas Eve. Ain't it beautiful?
2: The men at the roadblock had given a description of Benny's car and the license number. It was just barely possible.
0: Got something in mind, Johnny? Yeah, let's
2: take a look through
0: those parked cars. I don't know. If it was me, I sure wouldn't be hanging around here. I'd stick to the tall
2: timber. Yeah, but you're not a city boy, Mike. Tall timber is foreign soil to Benny. He's only comfortable when he's close
0: to a crowd. He the fellow that's supposed to have done that murder?
2: No, it was the man he works for, a cafe owner, ex-gangster, a man named Nick Shern. Let's check that lot
0: around at the side. I don't think he'd show here in front. He'd be taking a big chance showing anywhere. In a town this size, people know each other. It's his job to take chances. And he probably doesn't realize... Wait a minute. That
2: sedan against the building with the side window broken. Seven, eight,
0: two, one.
2: That's his car, Johnny. Yeah, wait here. I eased my gun out of the holster and started toward the car. There were no lights in the lot, only the soft glow reflected from the packed snow underfoot and the car itself stood in the dark shadows next to the building. I couldn't see whether anyone was in it or not. The singing seemed to swell louder as I approached. I moved slowly, watching for any sudden movement. (laughs) The car was empty. It was time, past time, to talk to Kathy O'Dare... And with the pressure tightening the danger close to home now, her father was ready to take me to her. We drove over to Dan Martin's house where it turned out Kathy and her daughter were staying. Dan's mother had been looking after her. Dan was there when we arrived, busy on the phone.
3: Yeah, I know the car all right. The one Jed bought last spring down in Bay City. Seven, three, nine, two. Uh, Where was it parked? All right, keep an eye out, Charlie. So long. Benny Stark has stole himself another car. Took Jed Wharton's station wagon. What for? That was a better one he had. Charlie says the steering gear was sprung. I
0: guess it happened when he crashed that roadblock. Well, how's Kathy and the young'un?
3: Oh, fine. They were asleep upstairs. Uh, Mom's next door helping Mrs. Barton stuff a turkey.
0: Johnny, you, uh, you figure it could wait till morning. I'm sorry, Mr. O'Dear. I've got to talk to her tonight. All right. I'll go wake her up.
3: Mr. Dollar, no matter what she's done, don't hurt her any more than you have to.
2: As far as I know at the moment, Dan, all she's guilty of is withholding information. And most people would have done the same thing. Nick Shearn's a rough boy to tangle with. She was scared,
3: that's all. Lost her head. She never did belong in a city. She belongs right here in Bramberry. This is her kind of life.
2: Why did she leave?
3: Well... We argued one day, and she said she'd show me. So she ran off and married that fellow. He treated her bad, finally left her. But she was too proud to come back. She wouldn't have come back now if she hadn't been so scared. Well, maybe it'll work out now. She ought to stay. Your kid ought to grow up here. Learn the outdoors and the woods like Kathy used to know it. Why, she roamed through those hills like a young Indian. Knew every trail in that forest. Every timber camp and trapper's cabin from here to the ridge. I remember one time the two of us were up toward.
0: Dan!
2: What's the matter? What is it, Mr. O'Dare? You
0: said. You said Jill and Kathy were asleep upstairs. Ain't that what you said, Dan? Of course that's what I. Mike. What's happened? They're not up there. They're not up there anywhere else in the house. They're
1: gone.
2: Johnny Dollar.
0: My good Johnny, any signed a cat?
2: No, the boys at the highway turnoff haven't seen her or Benny, either one. Not a soul out that way in the last hour.
0: What about there at the sawmill?
2: Nothing, Mike. No fresh tracks on the logging road, no sign of her. And the worst thing is, it's starting to snow again.
0: Yeah, here in town, too. Dan Martin just phoned. No luck. She hasn't shown up at any of the roadblocks. She's she's around somewhere, and we've got to find her. We will, Mike. And it's got to be fast, Johnny. There's a blizzard coming up, and that gunman Benny Stark is around, too. Maybe he's already found her. Maybe even took her from the house, her and Jill both.
2: Maybe she didn't get scared and run. Maybe it was him. Maybe she Mike, didn't did Mike, stop it. That kind of thing is not going to help any. Well, what is going to help? I don't know, but I've got a half-baked idea, and I may be right. Stay there at the house. I'm coming back to pick you up. And one thing you can do while you're waiting... What, Johnny? Pray. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Brambury, Michigan, to the home office, Tri-Mutual Insurance Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Nick Shern matter. Or, more important, find Kathy O'Dare. Item 12 on expense account $4.90. A tank full of gas for the county pickup I'd borrowed from Deputy Sheriff Dan Martin. The falling snow was thickening now, and the wind was rising and steadying in the northwest. The night had all the makings of a blizzard, and wherever Kathy and her daughter had gone, we had to find them before it hit. It was 10.14 p.m. when I pulled up at the side porch of the Adair house, and Kathy's father came hurrying out to the truck, leaving the door open behind him and buttoning his heavy mackinaw as he ran. Any news, Mike? Not a thing. All right, get in. Shut the door.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll get a foot of snow before morning, with a zero wind behind it. Now
2: listen, Mike. I think we can forget any idea that Benny found her and got her out of the house. In that case, she wouldn't have taken your car. He's already got one. I know. I thought of that. And he wouldn't have given her time to dress herself in jail the way she did with heavy clothes and snow boots. And she wouldn't have taken the rifle.
0: Then what has
2: happened? She knew I'd be there to talk to her sometime this evening. I think she lost her nerve. Couldn't face it. Decided to run again.
0: Maybe so, but where, Johnny? That's
2: what I want you to tell me. What? No, I don't mean you knew what she was going to do and where she was going to go or... Then how how
0: do you think I can tell
2: you? Look... Kathy knew about the roadblocks Dan Martin set up to trap Benny Stark. Knew where they
0: were. So if she didn't want
2: to be seen, then naturally she'd avoid them.
0: She couldn't. Not if she wanted to get away, take the highway to Flint or Detroit. She'd have to pass one of them at least. But she hasn't
2: passed any of them, so she's still in this area. And I don't think she ever meant to leave it.
0: But then... Dan
2: Martin said Kathy used to spend a lot of time in the woods when she was growing up. He said she knew every back trail in these
0: hills. Logging camps, trappers' cabins. She did. She used to worry that Dickens ought to be the way she...
2: Yeah. Now, where would she go, Mike, if she wanted to hide out back in the hills
0: somewhere? There's a lot of places. Chippewa Canyon's one. Three or four timber camps abandoned in the winter. Some cabins along the... No, no, she couldn't make it. There's a roadblock before you get to the turn off there. It's got to be some place she could reach without being seen. Well, there's... There's Barker's Flats. Yeah, oh, but that's 12 miles per foot trail. She wouldn't try it in this weather, not not with Jill along, anyway. Then there's... Lake Pine. No, it's over the other way. Pine Lake Road. Where's that? Runs northwest of town. Not much better than a wagon road. Dan didn't put a block on it because it dead ends at the lake about five miles out. What's out there? Nothing at the lake, but you can go on up Pine Creek about four miles on foot, and there's some cabins. Maybe a waste of time, Johnny. Let's
2: get going. Expense account, item 13, $6.90. One dry cell electric lantern, an extra pair of batteries picked up at the Brambury Hardware Company on the way through town. The falling snow, driven by a bitter cold wind, formed a dense curtain in front of our headlights. And from the turnoff all the way up the narrow twisting road to Pine Lake, I had to keep the truck in second gear. There were car tracks in the road all right, several of them. But they were covered now by the new blanket of snow. And it was impossible to tell whether they'd been made earlier tonight or a week ago.
0: The road ends a couple of yards past this next turn. And we'll soon know. There's four or five side turnoffs. Clearance where where you can park. We'll have to check all of them, I guess. All right. That draw there on the right, that break there in the trees, that's that's where the Pine Creek Trail starts. Well, we'll swing in it. Mike, I guess we won't have to check those turnoffs. Huh?
2: Is that your car over there under the trees?
0: Yeah. That's it. <laughs>
2: I left Mike waiting in the cab while I went over to look inside the car. It was empty, abandoned, and there was no note, no clue of any kind to tell where Kathy had gone. I raised the hood and felt the motor block, ice cold. The car had been here for some time. I flashed the lantern on the ground and followed the faint tracks made by two pairs of snowboats. They entered the deep draw that led back into the hills, the start of the Pine Creek Trail. I snapped off the lantern and stumbled through the snow back to the truck. What'd you find, Johnny? It's them, all right. They've headed up the trail. I found tracks in the snow. Well, then we'd better get started on. Oh, no, after. no I'll wait. I'll go after them, Mike. You take the truck. Go into town. Find Dan Martin. Bring help as fast as you can. That storm's getting worse. No, you don't.
0: I know the risk. Starting up that trail with a blizzard coming on. And if you think you're going to protect me by sending. Knock on... it off, Mike. There's no time. And you're wrong. I'm not
2: protecting you. I'm protecting myself. What do you mean? That bum leg of yours. I don't want you on my hands, too, along with the girls.
0: All right, Johnny. I'll go after Dan. Ah! And hurry, Mike. I'm depending on you. Yeah. Good luck, Johnny.
2: See you, Mike. I stood there in the snow watching the headlights of the truck move away. Finally, they swung around the bend and disappeared. And I suddenly felt more alone than I ever had in my life. I'd gotten rid of Mike deliberately, sent him away on purpose... because I hadn't told him everything. I could see no point in tearing his heart out. There was another car parked on beyond Kathy's, nearly hidden by the trees. Jed Wharton's station wagon. The car that had been stolen by a killer named Benny Stark. It took me half an hour to cover the first mile, and the storm kept getting worse... The beam of the lantern penetrated a bare 30 feet ahead of me... before it was smothered out in the white blackness of the night. After a few hundred yards, the tracks I was trying to follow had nearly disappeared. Snowboats were blotted out. I gave up looking for them and stuck to old Mike's description of the trail... following the left bank of the frozen creek. The drifts were deeper down along the creek bottoms and the going was rougher. But I didn't dare leave it to look for better footing. It was my only landmark. The trail itself was buried any man who lost his way tonight and wandered off into one of those side gullies would wander straight to his death. An hour passed, then an hour and a half or two hours maybe. I lost all track of time and distance. The wind cut through my clothes and the numbing cold crept into me deeper and deeper. Gradually, the walking, stumbling, breathing, even thinking became automatic and without feeling The world itself seemed to narrow down to a tiny circle close around me. And all beyond was chaos, blackness, and roaring storm. I tripped over fallen logs and floundered back to my feet. Dropped my lantern and recovered it. Broke through the crusted drifts and struggled for footing and kept on moving. In the weird nightmare of the blizzard, I could hardly recognize reality when I came face to face with it when a beam from my lantern touched him... crouching by a tree a few yards away. I could barely accept him as being real. He'd been watching my light as I approached... waiting for me. It was Benny Stark with his gun leveled and aimed. (coughs) Don't be a fool, Benny. Drop that gun. (coughs) A curtain of snow swept between us then... blotting out the sight of him. I was grateful... I turned and stumbled on into the storm, moving in pitch darkness now, except for the ghostly glow from the snow-covered ground. The second shot had smashed my lantern. and I had nothing left to go by but instinct and luck, and they weren't enough. Within 15 minutes, I was hopelessly lost. That's when I started hearing the music, miles from no place where there couldn't be any music. ...except inside my head. The cold and fatigue were finally doing their work. I knew the signs. The next step was to start wandering in circles... ...smaller and smaller ones... ...and the last step... ...to drop exhausted and go peacefully to sleep. Peacefully and permanently. But the sound kept growing louder... ...and I moved in the direction it seemed to be coming from. It couldn't be just illusions. It had to be real... Hello! Hello there! Then suddenly, only a few yards away, a brilliant blaze of light exploded from the darkness. And it seemed that a golden-haired girl was standing in the middle of it. And for a moment, my sanity tottered.
0: Who's out there?
2: My golden vision was wearing blue jeans and a flannel shirt and was holding a rifle. She looked exactly like the photograph I'd seen of Kathy O'Dare. And the blaze of light came from an open cabin door. I'll shoot. Oh, thank heaven. Hold him, it, Mister. It's Johnny
3: Dollar.
0: Are you getting warm now?
3: I don't think I'll ever get warm again.
0: You will if you don't move away from the stove a little. The back of your shirt is starting to smoke.
2: Yeah, I, th- I thought I was beginning to feel something. How's the firewood?
0: Well, there's plenty, and plenty of food,
2: and a radio. If I hadn't heard that music, I'd have blundered right on past this cabin.
0: We've got everything. We can hold out for a month if we have to. I hope we have to.
3: What about your daughter? Is she all right?
0: Sure. She's fine. A picnic for her. A camping trip. She's sound asleep back there in the lean-to. Dreaming about Santa Claus, I suppose. I wish I could. How did you find me, Mr. Dollar?
2: Oh, hunch. Guesswork. I was born under a lucky star. I wasn't. Oh, I don't know. I think you've been pretty lucky, considering everything. More so than your landlady back in New York.
0: Mrs. Grappler? What do you mean?
2: Betty Stark went to see her. Tried to find out where you were. When she wouldn't tell him, he broke her arm. Oh, no. Oh,
0: poor woman.
2: Oh, it's a rough game, Miss O'Dear. Trying to play it cozy with a mobster like Nick Shearn. You know, of course, that he sent Benny here to find you.
0: You'll have a hard time finding me in this place.
2: He did find you. What? Maybe he followed you from the house or saw you drive through town. Anyway, I ran into him back down the trailerways.
0: I thought I heard shooting a while ago.
2: You did. He tried to ambush me. He thought he had the drop and he wouldn't give up.
3: I had to kill him. <laughs>
2: There'll be another intriguing episode in our story of the next Shearn Matter tomorrow. Tomorrow, the showdown. Victory, and then disaster. When a visitor to the little town of Brambury turns out to be death. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Welcome back. This is just such a, a great, uh, serial. I love this, uh, program. It really is, uh, remarkable. Um, and it's, you know, when you take a look at the plot, it's about, uh, Johnny, uh, trying to, um, protect a woman from a hired assassin. And, Still, there's something, you know, just really uh, warm about the way the program's uh, done. And so much in this works. I I particularly, uh, one thing I think that is really amazing about radio, and we don't hear it um, uh, as much uh, in uh, modern programs or have any opportunity, uh, is when you have the character who is experiencing something as the narrator and their voice just starts to change as they you know as really it's up to the voice and it's up to the uh music and sound effects to tell uh the story and this is actually uh pretty incredibly done outstanding job by bob bailey and uh, i will say that if you have the app This might be one, uh, this whole serial might be one you want to star because, uh, uh, really it's just a remarkable program and one of my favorites in the Johnny Dollar series. And like I said, uh, an oddly enjoyable, uh. Christmas cereal. So, all right, well, we'll be back on Friday with the windup. This is going to be interesting, so I hope you'll be back there for that. Join us tomorrow. We'll have a Nick Carter Christmas special. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.